Hey everyone, this is going to be a bit of a different episode. This is an interview I did with Grant Owen. Grant had me on his podcast and we talked all things creative business, getting your first client, scaling, all that good stuff. Grant actually runs his own media company where he helps people scale via short form and long form video. Check him out in the show notes and follow along in this amazing podcast episode. Welcome to the Creative Biz Launch Podcast, where we talk about how to grow your creative business and scale to six figures. Whether you're a photographer, filmmaker, or designer, you'll find something of value here. Welcome to the Young and Driven Podcast. I'm your host, Grant, and I'm sitting here today with Chris Pieta. Is that your last name? Let me. I, I should have known this in the first time. This is an awful intro. Chris, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, Pieta. Pieta. Okay, is that Italian? Yeah. That's dope. Uh, That's awesome. It's... It's technically Polish, but a lot of people, it's like also an Italian word. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm all about it. So Chris is an established creative with a creative business and he teaches creatives about how you can build your business to actually make money because essentially that's a huge thing that creatives struggle with is that we really struggle with to find ways like we're great at art. We're great at photography. We're great at videography. We're great at editing, copywriting. There's a lot of ton, a ton of things that we're really great at, but usually we're really bad at making money, which is the way that you keep doing the thing that you want to do. So um, I have Chris on to talk about this today. Um, before I before I move forward, and I haven't done this before, but if you're listening to this, just like like the video if you wouldn't mind, subscribe to the channel. I have a ton of uh, excellent guests come on and talk about their business and how they got from point A to point B. So if you're wanting and you're interested in hearing people that are like Chris, that are established in their field, that have a ton of expertise and you want to hear more about it, then Give that subscribe a, a, a push uh, if, you're, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple. Would love it if you had a review. This just helps other people hear it. And honestly, if you just get value, I don't make any money from this. I just want to make sure that other people can hear it um, and get value too. So that's the goal. Chris, thanks for coming on. Um, can you give me, give me like a two-minute really fast background? Um, two minutes might be aggressive. Two to five-minute uh, background on... Uh, what you were doing before, and talk me through your last, especially like five years and what you've been doing, especially the last two years uh, with mm-hmm. your creative business and teaching how to be a creative uh, a, a creative business owner. Awesome. Let's do it, Grant. Yeah, so thanks for having me on, first of all. Excited to be here. Excited to share some knowledge. Um, let's start in 2016. That's kind of when I, that's when I graduated college. Uh, I went to school for chemistry. After that, got a typical like nine to five working for a food company doing like regulatory work quality assurance work, all that good stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And I actually didn't really grow up as a creative. I have like a science background, really analytical background. Um, But then 2017 is when I picked up a camera for the first time. I bought like this nice uh, Canon camera for like a trip abroad to Japan because I just wanted something nice for that trip. Um, Immediately fell in love with photography, started doing it like every single weekend here in Chicago. Um, Would go out, photograph the streets, the city. It was awesome. So spent a couple of years just trying to perfect the craft, get really good at the photography itself and kind of just fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. Um, around the same time. So now it's like 2018, 2019. I'm not really happy in my nine to five anymore. Uh, kind of been consuming a lot of like entrepreneurial stuff. So like Tim Ferriss, Gary Vee, all those guys back in the day. Yep. Um, and I didn't really grow up around entrepreneurs or anything like that. So I didn't really know like what was possible. Um, so the internet was my best friend there and books, just learning kind of everything there is to know. Um, and yeah, it seemed like, um, photography was the kind of like way out of like that nine to five. Um, the goal really wasn't to become like a professional photographer. The goal was to have some sort of income stream that replaces my nine to five. And my goal was to just have the freedom of working for myself and my camera was the answer to that. So 2019 kind of spent um, that year um, figuring out how people actually make money from this stuff. So <laughs> a lot of research and like, I have to get paying clients. Um, do I want to do weddings or do some other stuff? So it's just a year full of just searching um, how I can actually make a dollar with my camera. Um, and then 2020 is when I kind of um, went all in on it, started putting Interesting year to go all in. Interesting year to go all in. Yeah, it was like... It was like January where I was like, okay, I'm going to make this work. Um, mm-hmm. So we'd wake up way before my nine to five work after I got home. I'm just playing a lot of hours in. And then around March, like early March is when I got like my, I worked with like this coffee shop, just walked in, introduced myself, took photos for them. 
Um, and as we all know, like a few weeks later, pandemic hits, everything's closed down. So, um, every client that I had like lined up, like other coffee shops in the neighborhood, just no budget. So, um, was sad for a few weeks and then I was like, okay, let's get back right to it. So pivoted, started working, started looking at like online clients. So e-commerce brands, um, doing product photography for them. So that was like kind of who I was going to start targeting, start working with. Um, and around the same time I bought this like online course for creatives. Um, it's no longer around, but it pretty much taught me everything about sales and like how to find people to work with, how to contact them, how to like have a sales call with them, all this stuff, which I had no idea how to do. Cause I was a creative, I wasn't like a salesperson. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of like repetition of that, trying to actually land an online e-commerce brand client. And then in July of 2020 landed that first client. And from there I just quit my job. Um, cause it was got so one, much... you got one client and quit your job. Yeah. Um, now there's a lot to unpack there, but it wasn't, it was like a $500 client. So tiny. Um, but the, um, it was me getting that client was more so me like proving that the system I developed was working rather than like, um, the actual paycheck. Cause I spent like all of 2020 just building out this like sales system, client acquisition system that in theory would work. And in theory, if I get one client, I could get a hundred more. Um, so that first one was just kind of proof of concept of that. And like, once that happened, I was like, okay, I'm, done with this job, going to go all in on photography. Um, now with that, I did have like six months of savings saved up. So I was like, okay, worst case scenario, I'll just go back to this job after six months. Um, yeah. but three, four years later, here I am still, uh, still doing it. So, um, 2021 was a wild year. We scaled to three team members that year. Um, one full-time, three part, two other part-time. Um, then 2020 is kind of when I started teaching, or 2022 is when I started teaching other people how to do this stuff. So like through YouTube, teaching photographers and videographers, how to like run their businesses, how to get clients, mm -hmm. um, just as like a way to get back to the community. Cause that's kind of where I learned my stuff. Um, and then I saw a lot of traction. A lot of people in the comments were saying, Hey, cause of the stuff that you're saying, I was able to quit my job. I was able to land clients, all this stuff. So I was like, okay, there's something here. Um, so I spent end of last year developing this program to kind of help photographers, videographers, designers pretty much start and scale their businesses. Um, and 2023 is I'm primarily just in this education company, working with other photographers and videographers and helping them grow their companies. That's awesome. That's awesome. What is the, uh, what's the biggest pain point you see for people trying to make this transition, especially starting full time? So like most of, most of the time I'm guessing similar to you, someone that is skilled uh, at photography, probably is skilled at some level of networking and maybe they started in the, the less of the B2B side. They started more so in like the wedding photography side and like B2C, mm -hmm. but like what's, what's the biggest pain point that you've discovered for, for some of your students? Yeah, the biggest, I mean, it's just getting clients in a repeatable fashion. Like being able to do that is definitely the, what most people struggle with because when people first start earning money with photography, it's most likely from a referral, um, or some, something like that. So it's not really like they got the client themselves. It's like someone heard they're a photographer and approached them. Um, mm -hmm. so I think that kind of, that's when that happens, it kind of gives the photographer videographer like this feeling that people should be approaching them. Um, but in reality, it should be the creative who approaches the clients that they want and kind of selling themselves rather than like marketing themselves, at least like early on. What, a what's what's your thoughts on cold DMS and reaching out to people as a cold DM method? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Yeah, I'm all for it. I think it's a great way to get clients. Um, I cold DMS, cold emails. I think that's fantastic. Um, especially when you're starting because one, like when you get responses, um, you're either going to get like a yes, maybe no. Um, but if you get like a maybe or no, you can actually dig into that and see like why they don't want to work with you which yeah. is pretty big um, because you can be like, Hey, I know this isn't fit, but can you tell me like why? And they'll be like, Oh, your portfolio doesn't really match our vision or maybe it's your pricing or there's something there that made them say no. Um, so that really helps you develop your own company versus like someone that's like passively marketing. They don't get that feedback and yeah. they won't be able to grow as fast. You took a risk when you were at $500 MRR <laughs> monthly mm -hmm. reoccurring revenue. Uh, what did that feel like in, in that initial, in that initial moment, just being like, okay, I understand you have, you felt like you had some security, but mm -hmm. 
that jump is scary. So what did that feel like for you? Yeah, it was a very scary jump. I mean, it was like months in the making and like leading up to that, I was like listening to motivational videos on YouTube and stuff like that. And like this, like Steve Jobs speeches and all that stuff. (laughs) Um, But what kind of happened was like three things I had. I landed that $500 client, which like proved my system worked. Mm-hmm. I had like six months of runway as well. So I had some time there. Um, but also I was like, I felt like I was approaching burnout because I was just putting so much time like outside of my job into this. Mm-hmm. So I, I figured like if I don't do this right now, I think I'm just going to start heading down like a downward spiral and I might not be able to ever do this. So it was like a calculated risk. I bet on myself and it paid off. When you hit, when you hit your, uh, like, what, tell me how you felt when you hit your first 10k MRR. Like, how how fast did it take you to scale from like 500 to to a place where you're like, yep, I actually can grow a business and hire people out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I that was July 2020, um, and for the next like, wait, you did it. Keep... You did it July. Wait, you did it July. You you went from spring or you. You did July 2020 is when you hit 10K. July, July 2020 is when I quit my job and got gotcha, that $500 gotcha. client. Um, and then let's just like Q4 of 2020 is like my first full quarter mm-hmm. doing this stuff. So that quarter I hit um, 10 grand um, across three months. And then the next quarter was double that. So I think it was like 25,000. And then I was stuck around there um, for a few quarters. And then Q... 2022 Q1, I hit a 50K quarter, and that was, like, massive. Oh, I was like, damn, dude. like, this is that's awesome. really cool. Um, at were, that you, point, were, you, were you had... burning out or no? Were you burning out? No, work no. You were like, I got it? Yeah, I was cruising. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> what happened after I did that, like, I went, like, started really pursuing the YouTube stuff and, like, the social media, like, teaching other people. So that was a little rough because my income went down because I was doing less client work and I was doing all this, like, free content and also mm-hmm. paying my editor a lot of money for like all the videos. So um, I talked about like doing the calculated risk for my photography company in 2020. Um, 2022 was like the same thing. I was also investing money into like this, putting out free content in hopes that eventually I can create like some sort of paid educational program, um, which is way more fulfilling to me than the actual photography work. So um, another calculated risk there, but I'm loving it right now. That's so cool. Yeah. So. Tell me, tell me, like, I guarantee you there's people that are following me and people that are going to listen to this that are, that enjoy photography and people that probably don't, like, I would not say I'm a photographer, but I understand some shots. I've had cameras Mm -hmm. in my life. I like videography. I enjoy it. What, what is the, like, do you think that everybody can just learn everything they need to know in order to start charging money for it? Do you think they need to learn everything they need to know about the skill itself from YouTube? Or do you think it's required to take a course in order to get there? Yeah. So in terms of like the actual creative, like learning the photography itself, that's a lot of like for me, I didn't take any photography courses. I took like a photography business course back in the day or creative business course. Um, but the photography it was just like trial and error. So I practiced like every single day would go out shooting, watch YouTube videos, and then like go back home, see what went well, what didn't go well that day. So self-taught in that regard. And like, I'm definitely not a world-class photographer. Um, but I, on top of that, like photography skill, I stacked like business skills, which allowed me to start landing clients. Um, even though I'm not like the best photographer out there, I'm still really good and I can deliver brands results. So I kind of understood that there was, it wasn't just about being the best photographer. It was about being the photographer that understands clients' needs and can deliver on those and land clients. Nice. So you you are honing in on the customer service aspect of it. Yeah, 100%. and and like like of course you have to deliver on the result and you have to make sure they're happy. But but the communication side of it and then just like how how you structure your contracts to make sure that you're over fulfilling is that mm-hmm. kind of like what you specialized in? Yeah, because early on, like I knew I couldn't compete with like the people that have been doing this for a decade. So like I competed on like fast turnaround times and just like really awesome customer service. And yeah. I could just, people would work with me rather than those people because I can just deliver in a few days rather than a few weeks. And that was huge early on. Tell me about, tell me about the difference between a project-based contract and a retainer contract. And which do you prefer? Yeah, so the way I 
approach these. Um, when I first started, I would take any retainer that came my way. Um, but now I always want to do an initial project with a client um, just so I know what kind of client they're going to be to work with. Mm -hmm. um, if So I want to like, I'm kind of additioning them while they're additioning me for this thing. So I want to make sure that they're easy to work with, easy to communicate with. Um, Cause if they're a pain to work with, I don't want to do like a prolonged retainer with them. So for those kinds of things, I always do one project and then I pitch a retainer after I like over deliver on that one project. Love it. Love it. How many situations have you had where it really sucks and you're like, I, I'm so glad I did that and don't have to do a retainer contract with you. Yeah. There's been too many accounts. I, mean, <laughs> I learned this lesson the hard way. Cause I signed like a huge retainer with a client and then like, six months it was like a six month retainer i'm like okay this sucks but i'm, I'm locked in so <laughs> how, long, how I, soon did you realize that it sucked uh was it like month, month two i mean hey it was great learning experience and like now like the stuff i teach like my students i actually i so this is kind of controversial but i say like work for free until you can charge like a lot of money so you can like skip those like low budget clients so you like you do a few free projects get some awesome case studies and then you can kind of like skip those hundred five hundred dollar clients and you just skip to like multi-thousand dollar deals because you have like the testimonials the case studies to support that you're awesome um, yeah so you're saying do do it for free in exchange for case studies yeah so like when you're first starting out, build yourself a portfolio. Um, and then you approach brands saying, Hey, I'm new to this thing. Um, don't have that much, don't, don't have that much client work, but I'm an awesome photographer. I'm trying to build my business. I'll do this for free for you in exchange for a case study or testimonial. And nine times, nine times out of 10 people say yes. And if they say no, dig into that again, see why they're saying no. Um, yeah. and then build from there. That works really, really well for someone that already has, maybe you're a college student and you're trying to be like, how can I be a creative? Or you already have a job and you're saying, oh man, I really think I would love to turn this hobby or this passion of mine into a business. Then I guarantee, well, first off, and just like you're saying, like your process of how you grew as a photographer is you went out every single day and you did photography and you come back home and you would assess and, and you'd, you'd be like, okay, this went well, this didn't go well. That process can be done for other people too which is really interesting because it's like if you just go out and you say like hey i want to give you free content which mm -hmm. by the way every business wants every business wants free i'm like yeah. <laughs> if someone if anybody's listening to this and you, you do free photography and you're saying grant i need someone to use as a case study please reach out to me and give me free work because i would love to be a case study for you just because that's mm -hmm. what i value <laughs> i value my time and i value my money and if you can give me good results and not have to charge me, I would love to just like give you that testimonial. Um, and not only do you grow, but you build that portfolio, just like Chris is saying, and then you also can just leverage that and you can build a business. I love that thought because too many people, what do you, so I'm going to say this and I want to hear your thoughts on it. I think creatives grossly undervalue themselves. I think mm -hmm. grossly undervalue the art form. They charge based off of how, like, it's almost like how much do I think I can like how much do I think I'm worth and that's what you charge at not how much does the client see this project worth so mm -hmm. like for example like you have I think the future talks about this a lot and I love I love their material they talk about how like uh, you know like your rate might be two thousand dollars right for a project maybe five thousand mm -hmm. ten thousand dollars even for a project let's just say ten thousand dollars for a project right you're you consider yourself boutique mm -hmm. and you're 10,000 bucks for a project. But if you're doing the project for a business that is doing five to 10 million and you're guaranteed to potentially drive maybe a hundred thousand dollars of revenue, mm -hmm. maybe $200,000 of revenue, then the fact that like $10,000 is actually massively cheap. It's like mm -hmm. inexpensive and it's not even worth it for them. And so and it's because like you probably like, I think they call it the fool's rate rather than the full rate. It's like, it's your fool's rate because you just don't understand yeah. what the client values you at. So mm -hmm. for you, Chris, like what was your perception at like when you started to, to charge higher numbers and you skipped, you, you got past the bad $500 projects and you started to come to higher retainers. What was like your perspective shift that you had that you felt like you could justify charging higher amounts because of your skill set and because of what you brought to the table? 
Yeah, I mean, what you said earlier about the uh, how much businesses can make off of your um, creative, that's like exactly how I um, teach my students as well. So like for my process was just me continuously increasing my rate over time um, until like I had to build it my own confidence in that to be able to charge that much. Um, but now looking back on it, I think I wasted a lot of years just like at those <laughs> low numbers because I yeah. had like one of my students, he came to me because he was charging very, very little for a project and he was charging like a grand for a lot of photos. Like it was like 50 or something, like a lot of photos. Um, so I had him do like this thought experiment, pretty similar to what you were talking about. Like if I asked him, like if this company was going to make a hundred grand off of these photos, would you feel like you charging a thousand dollars is undercharging? He said, yeah, of course. Um, so that I feel like unlocked this like perspective shift in his head where charging a thousand bucks was way undervaluing his work when the business can make so much money off of those mm -hmm. photos and they, they would happily pay that rate too. Uh, when we, when we were starting out with our media company, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to my content director. And so he was like a video editor. He, he was working as a video editor. He had been working with one client in particular that we brought on. That was our first client where she was a kind of like a higher ticket client. And so we were talking to each other and we were like, okay, what do we, we're pitching to do like you currently do this one service you get paid this much maybe we could loop in all these other services and we could you know start hiring out a team and so we were talking and we were like like let's charge five thousand and he was like no 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 that's way too much and i was like dude let's maybe like what do you think about six thousand he's like no 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 that's way too much there's no shot she says and i was like we settled on like i was like i'm gonna go crazy we're here the worst you could say is no let's charge seven thousand dollars and that's like our monthly retainer price for her to do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so she she said yes. And she was like, yep, this is great. We started working for it. And like within six weeks, I was like, oh my gosh, the amount of work I'm doing, I severely <laughs> undercharged. Like yeah. we're doing like, and like even just comparing to the landscape, like I just did not assess what the market was doing. I was like, we're doing, we're actually doing like $20,000 of work in mm. comparison to the market. Yeah. at the bare minimum wow. and so like it went from like this oh my gosh i can't believe we got a seven thousand dollar monthly retainer to like we're like losing money on this guy, on this deal because of how many people are invested and how much time it takes mm -hmm. and how much we're like driving the results it's just like i was like okay yeah. this is just it completely shifted wow. where i'm like okay now i'm like if i'm gonna do that same thing i'm like i'm sorry it's like it's like 10 to 15 and that's like i know if you if you think that's a crazy number then it definitely won't be a good fit yeah. and I can find people that will be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, like you'll be able to find people that fit that the number that yeah. you want to charge. Yeah. And you know, what's so funny is I'm also realizing, and maybe you've realized this too. Uh, I, and me personally, like I am not attracted to small numbers. If someone says like, Hey Grant, I want to do a service for you and it's gonna be 500 bucks a month. My thought mm -hmm. process is like, you're probably not going to do a very good job. Yeah. And it's not an accurate assessment. It's just because like how we relate to price where like if we look at something that's mm -hmm. inexpensive, our thought process is that it's cheap as a business owner. Yeah. It's like, I don't want anything cheap. I want to pay a lot of money and get the best results and be the best in the space. That's like, if at least yeah, I, it sounds like thing. that's what, like, maybe like maybe we're just in a circle of people that think that way, but that's my thought process. Whereas like other people, they're like, what's the lowest amount of money I can get for this? I'm like, Nope, you're the best, and so how can I pay you to be the best? Because if I want you on my mm -hmm. team, I want you to be <laughs> I want you to be paid more than everybody else to do exactly this. Uh, yeah, and that's like a big thing I see with clients all the time. Like if I charge, like there's this like meme going around or whatever. Like the low budget clients are the ones that are going to try and like hold your hand through the project, micromanage you yeah. because yep. they don't perceive you as like the professional. Where when you charge yep. like. A lot of money they're gonna be like okay this person knows what they're doing i'm just gonna let yeah. them do their thing <laughs> yeah it's like it's like yeah i i, I love that it's like what is it like the 500 versus the fifty thousand dollar it's like the 500 yeah. <laughs> like where's all this stuff do i have to pay this invoice now and <laughs> the yeah. fifty thousand is like invoice paid thanks bye yeah. <laughs> like that's it mm -hmm. so what what would you recommend for people that are wanting to get into b2b how could you get started into that so rather than focus yeah. with, with individuals yeah so that's the bulk of like all my photography work that I've done is with B2B. Um, it's a tougher market to get into, um, but you have to learn the sales process, I think, for that kind of stuff. Um, for I teach like a cold email method for that kind of thing, but you have to get in contact with like 
the people at the businesses that are making the decision. So like for product photographers, it's all B2B because we're working with companies that sell products. Um, so getting in contact with the marketing directors, the VPs of marketing, those people, um, and just putting yourself out there, offering some sort of value. So don't tell them, hey, I take great photos. Be like, hey, my photos can help increase your brand awareness. So always like pitch them in with the language of like what they're going to get out of it. Don't make it about mm -hmm. yourself. Make it about them. Um, and from there, you hop on a discovery call, sales call, talk with them, figure out what issues they're facing. Are their Instagram ads not performing as well? Um, do they need a new banner for their website? However, ask them questions that will lead to um, you being able to solve their problem. Um, that's how these people think. So from there, depending on what they say, you craft a proposal and be like, hey, new uh, Instagram assets, new hero image for your website send the proposal their way and then you follow up until you get yes or no. I love it. What is, uh, what's the secret to, to getting a yes via cold DM? What's the secret to you? Like, have you, have you found that, um, in the discovery call, like, yeah. How do you, how do you navigate the discovery call to make sure that they feel heard and that you get, you get to pitch yourself legitimately? Yeah. Um, first off, it's really hard to get people on the phone. So if you're on the phone with someone, that's great. They already are interested somewhat in buying from you and they're, they're going to listen to what you're saying. Um, and like the cold outreach itself, you always want some sort of like credibility statement and then like a very clear ask at the end. So like if you've worked with any companies before, have any case studies, have like a sentence or two in the cold email, just calling that out to make you more credible than everyone else who's emailing them. Um, and then you never want to be like, hey, are you interested in working with me? Like no one's going to respond to that. Always have like a clear ask. Like, are there any projects in Q4 that you think would be a good fit? Or do you have 10 minutes on Tuesday for a quick discovery call to run through some ideas? Um, you want a very clear ask that they can quickly reply back to the email, yes or no. Um, and I think that's a big way to just drive more, um, drive more calls. Can you tell me about what felt like your biggest win? So like even, even you know, you're transitioning to education and I guess it's, you're scaling a second business fundamentally, education and, and e-learning, your coaching model, that's a completely different business. So what's been like, what's been your biggest win that you've been like, yep, this makes it worth it. I'm so glad I'm doing this. Like in my education company? Yeah. Um, all the testimonials I get from my students, uh, those are like incredible hearing my students like win and being able to land like multi-thousand dollar deals. Um, because of like what I'm teaching, like there's nothing more fulfilling than that. Like it's, they're able to live their dream lives, like provide for their families. And it's awesome to see that. Like That's it's so way cool. more fulfilling than like, it's great taking photos for clients and like having a fancy, like collagen powder on their website. But like hearing the students I teach, like, Hey, I was able to land this client. And because of that, um, my family can take like a trip to wherever, <laughs> like that's, That's awesome so cool to hear. Like it's really fulfilling stuff. What, what, uh, <laughs> you're, uh, you went viral for a, uh, a teaching how to shoot on an iPhone video, right? Mm. How, what did you think yeah. about that? Did you, do you like that? That's what you went viral for, that that's what you've gotten so much of your subscribers for. Do you want to make that kind of content again? Uh, and for people there's, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes here. There's this, it's really cool. It's basically saying like, you know, it's proving that you don't need fancy equipment to get started doing something cool. And it's like, mm -hmm. here's how to shoot a really impressive video using your mm -hmm. iPhone, which there, that's like a misconception is that like equipment is everything. Equipment's good. You know, it's, I'm not saying equipment's bad, but like you can do so much with so little. Yeah. Um, yeah. That video went out probably a year ago now. It's when the last iPhone came out. So last like September, October. Um, but the, well, backtrack, like I make a bunch of like business stuff on YouTube and that's not going to go viral. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really educational, but it's not going to yeah. like high get a million value, views. high value. Yeah. It's high value. Yeah. It's, super it's, valuable. It's converting content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then like the iPhone video, I was like, okay, um, I like technology. I love new technology. I love photography. Um, when I got the newest phone, I was like, oh, this is like as good as my actual camera for like street photography. And like, yeah. and then like I went like on a trip to, I think it was Seattle and I only took that camera. My, I only took my iPhone and yeah. the photos were awesome. So I was like, okay, let's just teach everyone how to use their phone uh, to take photos as good as like a video camera can. Um, so, cool. so yeah, the goal of that video is just to provide um, 
to enable people to learn how to use their phones as like their primary camera, which we taught like composition, lighting, um, how to edit. So like all the basics. So it's like a crash course on photography, um, just using your iPhone. And that video is sitting at like, I think almost 2 million views now, which is like crazy. Cause like when I think of that, I'm like, okay, I potentially I've changed like millions of people's lives, millions of people's <laughs> approach to photography. So a net positive to like society. Everyone's did, just taking did you better get, photos. Did you get hate on it for people being like, no, it's not possible or like, no, you can't do this. Or was everybody be like, shoot, I need to do this right now. Yeah. There's some, there's so many interesting comments on that one. There's some like every video has hate on it and it's like, whatever. Um, yeah. But then there's some comments of like, I remember one was like this retired photographer who was like, I used to have to take all this equipment on all my trips, this heavy backpack, but now my back hurts. Thank you so much for this video for my like Europe. I'm <laughs> just taking my phone and I'm going to be, I'm all set, which is like cool to hear that. That's awesome. That's um, awesome. But yeah, <laughs> I'm a, I, so I'm, I'm starting a, a mission similar to what you described before. Cause like I, something I want to get better at is learning how to tell like visual stories and just like simplify and, and, and simplify and just like get good at storytelling on a basic level. So like I'm, mm-hmm. my, my mission is I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to do a daily vlog for a hundred days and fit it into my awesome. schedule, learn how to shoot, like learn how to do the stuff that is not my skill set. Uh, but I, I need to know how to edit to have context to like be able to train more people efficiently. And, um, and so I, I'm, I'm excited cause like I'm, I'm, I'm planning on just using my iPhone. I'll probably get a camera and I'll be shooting with my camera. I'll probably be shooting a lot of our like masterclass content with my camera, but I, I almost like to that same extent, just want to use my iPhone for that because I want to show that that's all you really need to do. And it's just about how you can frame it. And I almost want to like learn with nothing because even though it might not differentiate, I think I'll just get a lot better at shooting in general and at videography in general, just by doing that. Um, (laughs) what's your current tech stack and what do you think about people charging based off of their tech stack? Um, well, first off, I'm excited to see your day one versus day hundred video. Yeah, be a huge <laughs> yeah, difference dude. there. Dude, um, that'd be a difference. Yeah, hopefully it's gonna it's gonna suck, but it's gonna be like I'm gonna get better. There's no shot if I do a hundred videos that I'm not gonna get a tiny bit better. That's my mission. Yeah. Um, tech stack. I've got like all the like latest Sony gear, so just the best like Sony photo camera and then like Sony video camera for for that stuff. I'm shooting on the FX30 for all my video stuff. Um, cool. That's great. Um, and yeah, gear is important to take great photos, but I don't think you should ever charge off of how much you spent on gear. Um, because a lot of photographers make this excuse, like my camera costs $2,000. My lenses are another 2000. Um, I pay all these subscriptions every month. So I deserve to charge this much when in reality, like that your business. So you took on those expenses voluntarily, like any mm-hmm. business does like a coffee shop buys a $20,000 espresso machine to make great coffee but they're not like telling you they have this ex- expensive machine to justify their $7 lattes. Um, yeah. Same thing applies to like photographers. I think if you justify your rates like that, you come off as an amateur to clients and clients um, don't really want to work with you. You instead, you focus on like the results you deliver and how good your photos are for whatever problems you're solving for the client. So you're not saying yeah. like, I have this $5,000 setup. You're saying um, my photos will help drive conversions for your fa- Facebook ads. Yeah. How, uh, how, how often have you charged, have you taken on services that you've never done before and then been like, I'll figure out how to do this? Uh, pretty often. (laughs) Whenever (laughs) my philosophy is like, whenever a client asks me to do something I've never done, I'll just say yes to it and figure it out. Um, unless it's like something I don't think I can do. Um, but chances are either I can do it or someone on my team can do it. And Mm -hmm. if worst case scenario, I refund the client and then just do some, a free project afterwards to make up for it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but best case scenario, I I learn a new skill. I get a higher paycheck for this service and it's a new service offering we can start doing in the, in the future. So I think there's, you use them, you use them without telling them as like a Guinea pig. It's like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. It's like, yeah, it's like, can you do these photos like lifestyle images at this like thing? I was like, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So <laughs> what, uh, has anybody asked you to do like actual commercial shoots? Like, uh, like not photography shoots, but commercial like video, like shoots? video. We've done 
Um, yeah, we've done some video in the past. I used to offer it with like most of my packages. Um, but now I like did that for about a year and then stopped doing that because it was too many moving parts. Um, and that for me, cause my photography business was very productized. Um, so mm-hmm. there was like a set number of packages that clients could get and I was very efficient at delivering them to them so I could shoot them. Uh, my team got at them and all that really quickly. So the videos, um, were higher ticket, but there was a lot more customization, which for my business model, I didn't really like that. Not to say that that's a bad business model because, um, a lot of my students that I, I work with, they have video businesses and all of their projects are customized and they're killing it. Um, so mm-hmm. it's just what kind of business do you want to run? That's the question that you ask Do you yourself. find that people then end up hiring you for your, your aesthetic, like your style? Yeah, that's uh, that's a tougher question because I do think some companies like that and like they feel like if my portfolio is all one style, um, when someone sees me, they're going to think that's that's all I can deliver. Um, mm-hmm. When in reality, I can do pretty much like any style that any client needs. Um, yeah. So that's that's a tough one um, because your portfolio is what you present to clients and often clients just will assume that's all you do, um, mm. which is fair. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. How, uh, here's, a, here's an interesting question that I'm curious. I'm curious of your thoughts on. I just want to give a lot of value here. What is the most exciting style of photography that people should be selling in this next year? So someone is wanting to do what you do or wanting to do what you've done. And there's a lot of elements like we talked about. There's so many different styles of shoots. There's so many things to specialize in. Uh, what do you think is the next wave of this? If you get good at this type of photography, of, the, of this type of shoot, and you pursue this type of client, um, things mm. are generally going to go well for you in the next two years. That's a good question. It's a tough question too. Um, there's a lot of talk about like AI and the product photography space and replacing photographers and all that stuff. And it can do a lot of great things. Um, I think, I mean, if you're working with, um, if you're a product photographer working with like online businesses, like that's a growing market and that's not going away anytime soon, rather than like the style itself, I would look at like the markets that you're targeting, um, Mm. and like what's a growing industry rather than a shrinking industry. Um, because you can try and like pick the best genre of photography and try and get lucky and like spend a lot of time just thinking of what to do. Um, but someone else can also pick like a very boring standard genre of photography and just crush it by executing on the business yeah. fundamentals every day. Um, yep. so it's more so about like picking one type of photography. It doesn't really matter what it is. And then like learning the business side, how to like get consistent clients and becoming like that type of photographer. So like for me, like I was doing like action product photography. So like pouring coffee beans on like a coffee can or like splashing stuff with water. So that was like yeah. kind of what I like went into and built my portfolio around and that's um, what I marketed and it worked really well for me and I could have done any other style and it would have worked just as well. What's the, uh, what's the weirdest product that you've shot for? You don't have to say oh, the brand name. Um, it's this, um, it was this seafood. I forgot what it's called, um, but it was essentially like a tentacle I think it was called like uh, sea cucumbers. They were like the, it looks like a tentacle with like things coming off of it. Wild product. Um, they sent it to you? afraid to even eat it. They sent it, you, had to, you had to eat it? They sent no, it to I you didn't eat, eat it. it. They sent okay. it like frozen to me and like I had no idea how to make this look pretty. Um, I pulled it off, I think, decently well. <laughs> um, a wild product. It, look, it was just like a, a sea cucumber. That's what they're called. Yeah. Okay, okay. It, was just, it looked like an octopus tentacle. <laughs> That's so funny. Wild. Oh man. Um, okay. So tell me, tell me this. Um, I, I think I'm seeing a lot of e-learning and edu- e-learning educators pop up. And I think this, it's going to get to a point where it's not going to be oversaturated, but it's going to, you're going to see a lot of people aiming to create this productized service, which is just coaching model, whether it's group mm-hmm. coaching whether it's a ton of SOPs and odds are with something like your course, you sell a lot of, you, you, you hand out a lot of um, probably SOPs and documentation, including like retainer documentation and ways to add value so that people can say, okay, I can just input my name and customize these different things for myself. What, mm-hmm. as this space increases and as people in the photography space start doing this more and more, what's your differentiator of how your 
your coaching model is actually best suited for somebody that's looking to get into this? Yeah, great question. Um, there is a lot of like competition in this space and people popping up like every single day. I haven't seen anyone um, teaching exactly what I'm teaching. Um, a lot of the photography and videography courses I've looked at focus a lot on building up your brand and marketing, which is really important and it's something that you should be doing, but that doesn't give you any like immediate wins. Um, like I teach sales, like how to send like cold emails and like actually do sales calls, which I don't see many other people doing. Um, yeah. and sales are great because it gives you immediate wins and immediate revenue and gives you motivation to keep on going where if you're like learning marketing and branding, that's great, but it's going to take you one to two years to build up your brand and actually start making money from it. Um, so that's one thing. Um, but really it's like the community that we build and the, um, how like the coach shows up. So if they're like continuously trying to figure out best practices in the industry, staying on top of technology and like continuously updating, um, what's found in the program and like advocating for their student success, I think that's going to be, um, a big differentiator and that's what I'm doing right now. And there's other coaches that do the same thing. Um, also really great. So the people that are really invested in their student success are going to have like the most successful, um, coaching programs. Um, and there's a few like in my space that are doing that really well. Um, and then there's a bunch that just see this as like, a, okay, I'm decent photography. I can just make a quick buck doing this course. And those courses aren't going to do so well because I mean, people aren't going to get as good results. Um, you'll see that in like the testimonials or lack of testimonials. Um, yeah. but for anyone lo like looking to go into the education, online education space, um, as like a student, always look at like testimonials and any reviews from past students. And I think that's a great way to see if it's a good fit for you. Yeah, I love that. I love that. What uh, are you scared of AI as a creative? Um, not for the next like couple decades. Okay. I don't know. Like right now, it's 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 a tool. So um, I'm using it a lot inside of my business for um, creating content. So it's great to be able to use it as like someone to or a thing to bounce ideas back and forth. Um, so if I'm like writing a YouTube script, I'll write that all myself. Um, and then I'll like use AI to like repurpose it, um, for short form video, or if I'm doing like a Twitter thread or something like that, I'll just, um, use it to like kind of switch it up a bit. Um, mm -hmm. in terms of like creating photos and stuff like that, AI is going to be big in like the photography space, but it's not going to replace photographers yet. Um, if you're a photographer who's working for a company and not your own business, you're going to get replaced pretty soon. Um, because when you want the companies like looking where to slash costs, they can see AI can do something almost as good as you. So they're going to fire you. Um, whereas if you're building your own photography business, um, you can then use AI to help you. So like if normally a shoot takes you 10 hours, um, now the shoot may take you three hours and maybe you're going to have to charge less because AI is so prevalent. Um, but still you can use it to your own advantage to, uh, be able to deliver results faster. Um, and you'll be, more protected as like an individual rather than like working for a company. So, um, I think AI will, it's going to be very disruptive, um, in like a decade or two and just like everyone's going to be have a job, but like right now everyone should be using it to their advantage. And if you're not, you're going to get left behind. So I mm -hmm. think creatives need to embrace it. I love that. Yeah. Cause it's like people are, the people are making money that aren't creative just because they're able yeah. to utilize AI, which is creative in a sense. So it's like, in my mind, I think if you're someone who's creative that can leverage it to your advantage and still keep your tone and still keep your artistry a part of it, mm -hmm. it should just enhance whatever exists, not replace you. I'm yeah. like, I'm all about that. I'm, I think it's, I think it's a good take. Yeah. And like as a client, like a service-based business, um, clients also hire you to do something that they don't really feel like doing a lot of the time, or mm -hmm. they think you're the professional. So if they can hire you to just you can become like an AI agency that just generates the images purely through AI and a client will still prefer that because they're not the experts there. Um, it still takes some creativity to do that with AI. Um, yeah. So they're going to still hire you to like give them the results they want. They just, they want the results. They don't really care about the process a lot of the time. Yeah. And that's, that's such an interesting perspective, especially because that's, I don't think creatives understand that. And that's something I've noticed, especially with working a lot of creatives is that, um, and you've, you've hounded on it quite a bit in this, in this podcast where it's just like, stop talking about yourself and start talking about the value that you're bringing to people and the value you're going to bring to their business. Um, 
that's because business owners don't know how to be creative in general. Like that's a sweeping statement. And a lot of times you're creative in a different sense, but most of the time it's, you're more analytical or you're more leadership focused or you're more visionary, but those things are a different type of creative versus like the tactical. I am mm-hmm. really good at this specific craft. Um, whereas on the opposite side of the spectrum, you have creatives that are so good at something specific. They're very tactical and they might be have like, might have great interpersonal skills, but they're so bad at the visionary of saying, I like, how can I scale this? How can I do something that doesn't require all of my energy and all of my time and be based based on like solely based on me? Um, because you're still an employee in that sense. You're just, you're just an employee of your own company. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think, for for the people that are not entry level that have been doing this for a bit, maybe they're doing 10, 20, 25 in recurring revenue. What what do you think are the levers for them to pull for them to get to that point where they're wanting to be at 100K a month? Yeah. Um, well, part of that is just outsourcing and bringing a team on to help you. So if well, you don't have a team or anything, don't have like an editor or a virtual assistant to help you out with tasks, then definitely bring people on to help you with the things that you're not the best at. I mean, um, doing our coach says like do a time audit and see like what tasks actually generate you money and what doesn't and taking photos and getting clients is what generates you the most money. Editing photos and doing admin stuff doesn't make you money. So that's like something that you should offload right away. Um, staying on top of all, all things AI, I think it's going to be very important because that could be leveraged too. Mm-hmm. um, What's your what's your what's your favorite AI tool to use? Sorry to cut you off. Uh, ChatGPT is probably just it's simple. Um, it's got pretty high. You could learn, so it's really easy to start using it. But there's like such a big learning curve to make it really really good too. So um, really great tool there. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you th- have you have you tested? Uh, I've been, I'm, I think we're about to test Superhuman. Have you heard of this? Oh yeah, I use that for email. Yeah, I've been yeah. using it for like a like, year for you, email. Do you like it? Yeah, I think it's great. Um, cool. It's everything's like super fast about it. It's really intuitive, so it's like relies on keyboard shortcuts a lot. So it's like very fast to like clear your inbox and everything. Um, it's pretty expensive for what it is, but for me, it's worth it. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking because I've, I've been diving into it. I talked to someone. Uh, I recorded a podcast interview with someone in the tech space, but he's like. He's all about automation and he's he's, yeah. he's a SaaS founder and he's like every way that I can optimize my life. That's what I'm going to do. But I think there's some value to it. I think there's like, mm-hmm. I think exactly like what you said, like there's things that you want to be hands on with. There's yeah. things that are really important that drive your business forward. And most of the time it's going to be in the sales or it's going to be in mm-hmm. the client relationship aspect uh, or team management aspect even. Um, mm-hmm. And in other, in other, in other cases, it's like outsource everything else or find people that do it better than you can do it. Um, yeah. I love that model. Um, how fast should someone hire their first employee, in your opinion, doing the creative space? So say a photographer that's solo, how soon should they hire someone to help them edit and someone to help them with admin? Depends how what their like goals and dreams are. If they want to like scale their company, then as soon as they can afford it, I would say. Um, because it's just going to save you so much time. Like the first hire I think should be an editor because you can find editors relatively cheap, like on Upwork, um, that are like abroad and that's just going to unlock a lot more time for you as a business owner, um, that Mm -hmm. can go into more tasks. So like if you're working on a project basis, like you charge a thousand bucks for a project, um, your editor is going to take 50 bucks of that. You pocket like nine fifty. Um, so if you're working with an editor on a project basis, you can work with them like right away. It's not like it's a, um, someone on your, uh, they're not salaried in your company. So it makes sense to do it right away. So you can have the extra time. Um, and for the most part, these early hires are going to be on a project basis. So as soon as you can afford it, you hire them and then you use your extra time to grow the business. Um, when a lot of creatives like have trouble giving up creative control, especially editing. So there's a big like mindset blocker of like, no one else can edit like me. Um, a lot of people can. <laughs> so <it's... laughs> I love that. Give give up the responsibility. I love that. Sweet. Okay. Well, let's wrap this up. I, I, I really appreciate your time, Chris. I think this is super valuable. Um, I, I want to plug you. So so where can people find you on socials? Yeah, I'm everywhere. Um, 
Chris Pietta on Instagram and YouTube are probably going to be the most valuable places. Um, I have a podcast. If you look at my name, you'll find me on any platform you want. Um, if you're looking to grow, definitely uh, subscribe to either my YouTube channel, Instagram page, email newsletter. Um, I'm sure there's going to be links in the show notes. And if someone wants yeah. to work with like me on a paid basis, we have an online program that will help you move faster. Um, but we also have free resources for everyone else too. So that's all I got. Dude, ser- seriously, and I'm not kidding people. Check out check out the YouTube content. I've, I've skimmed through a few of the videos. Found valuable for me. Like super valuable just to be like, okay, how can I scale this? Mm-hmm. Very tactical. Like you hear it and you hear it in how you talk, Chris. It's like you're very analytical. Uh, and so like I hear that and I hear how you structure things, you script things, you're very like detailed, um, which is an amazing thing in both someone that you want to hire to be a creative for you and someone that you want in a coach. You want someone that has everything laid out and that's how you structure your free content. And that's how you structure mm-hmm. everything down from your Twitter threads to uh to your or your x thread sorry and then your your you know (laughs) instagram instagram post everything is kind of laid out very practical very pragmatic so um Mm -hmm. if that's something if there's something you're interested in doing and you're thinking about i would love to be a photographer i would love to be a creative business owner because i think it's broader than just photography i think it 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 it, it spans to both copywriting it spans to videography it, it spans to short form long form it doesn't matter i think the way that you structure your content to help creatives scale and grow their business and think from a business perspective of what's actually going to drive revenue, super valuable. So at the very least, check them out and subscribe to this channel because I think it's going to be super helpful to just help you gain vision for how to do this. And then obviously I I recommend Chris, if you're looking to get started and you want to, you want to rocket, you want to rocket ship yourself uh, to get there faster and and skip a lot of those failures that, that we were mentioning where you get the $500 client and they really suck. Mm -hmm. So, um, (laughs) Chris, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate you. Um, and uh, yeah, and we'll, we'll have to do this again. I think I think it'll there'll be enough that changes in the next year that that uh, that there'll be more value for you to give. So appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely great episode. Thanks so much for having. Thank you so much for listening. Now you can check out all of Grant's socials in the show notes. Go follow him. He posts amazing content. If you have an extra ten seconds, please give the show a rating. That's the only way we grow through your continued support. I will catch you in the next one.